The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to the England Show podcast from The Athletic. That's Group D done and dusted then. England have beat the Czechs, kept another clean sheet and have qualified for the last 16 of Euro 2020. Further good news, I've reassembled Sunday's Q&A dream team of Flo Lloyd-Hughes and Carl Anker to pick the bones out of tonight's performance, what it means for Southgate and the boys and how we're feeling about the Euros life in general. So get ready for some wildly modest optimism. A 1-0 win against the Czech Republic and it may not have been a thrill ride but there were plenty of bright spots for us to talk about which we'll do in just a moment. But before we get into the nitty gritty, let's hear what the Athletics England correspondent Jack Pitbrook made of events at Wembley tonight. I'm at Wembley where the final whistle has just gone on what I thought was a very controlled and professional and mature England performance there to win 1-0. I'm not quite sure what the reaction was on TV. On Twitter, I could see some people moaning about how boring the second half was. And it was pretty boring. But then I think that's more or less the Gareth Southgate game plan is to have a team which is defensively very organised, which does not concede many chances at all, and creates just enough to win these games narrowly. That's pretty much what we saw against Croatia. And today I thought I thought England were a bit better than they were against Croatia, although maybe against a team that wasn't quite as accomplished. Very strong first 20 minutes, got the goal, then had a bit of a step back, maybe a bit of a wobble later on in the first half. And then the second half, I thought Southgate got his changes right. I thought Bellingham and Henderson gave England a bit more presence in midfield. And they were pretty comfortable, really. Uh, I think more comfortable in the second half of this game than they were trying to hold on to the win against Croatia. I thought the best player really was Bukayo Saka, who not many people would have had in their team out wide on the right, and he was fantastic. You know, he gave England that pace and direct running in behind, stretching the play. He was so good in his defensive work as well, coming back. He started the move from which Sterling headed in England's only goal. He's a very intelligent player, he looks quite two footed was involved in lots of England's best moves and really opened up the game for them. So I thought he was fantastic. And really the big question that Southgate has now, as he uses this week before their last 16 game, is how many of these players is he going to stick with? Does he stick with Grealish and Saka? Can he bring in Mason Mount after Mason Mount's been isolating? Would he bring back in Phil Foden after you know playing pretty well in those first two games but not really having as much influence as Saka did today? So big questions for Southgate, but I thought a pretty good evening, even if it wasn't the most exciting game. You're listening to The England Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Delighted to be joined again by Flo Lloyd-Hughes and Carl Anker, who has been at Wembley Stadium with Jack this evening. Flo, Jack, professional summary from him there, talks of that Saka selection surprise. He did well, didn't he? Yeah, he really did. And I don't think many people saw that coming, as you said, and he really impressed. I guess perhaps the frustrating thing for him and the almost classic England thing is he's probably not going to play in the next game and after such an impressive performance it seems a bit strange um 
but the likelihood is is Mount will probably drop back in even though he will be training separately but it's kind of that old reliable selection that Southgate always goes for but yeah Saka was so good he was fearless he was smart with everything he did he created but he didn't take too many risks which I think was just really really impressive from someone who's just kind of been like thrown in the deep end and I think Southgate sort of half admitted as well in his post-match that he wasn't quite in his plans until the isolation issue happened with with Mount so to just yeah come straight in and, and do that was was really really good yeah before we bring Carl in let's just hear what Gareth Southgate had to say post-match I thought we started really well we were stable with the ball we had worked some some of the stuff in training yesterday and actually credit to the players some things we had to adjust without the without the ball today we changed what we were doing overnight because of the different personnel so it's a huge credit to the players that they were as stable without the ball as they were we got the call, the shout uh, during training so we've been super impressed with Bakayo through the whole month and he was excellent up at Middlesbrough and we, you know, we, we've really liked him with and without the ball and tonight his receiving under pressure was, was fantastic. I think there's more to come from us, definitely. We're not fluent but um, you know, we've got, we have moments where we look good side. I think that there's a lot of good things that we're doing. Um, we've managed to get most of the squad into the games, which is good. 90 minutes for Harry Maguire tonight, which was important. Hendo 45, which was a real step forward. So, uh, you know, a lot of positives for us. I think all we felt was we wanted to win the group. We wanted to stay at Wembley. And, um, yeah, we, we get, we'll wait and see who we play for tomorrow. I think it's, it's interesting listening to Southgate and also reflecting on what Jack said about the defensive side of things being the priority because I think Southgate's been trying to stress not only tonight and in other press conferences about this what they're doing without the ball and that being such a focus and priority so I I, I know obviously it's part of sort of reassuring fans that this is all sort of hashtag trust the process but it, it is paying off and Obviously, he knows how good England are going forward and, and the players that they have at their disposal. So he's clearly realised, well, if we focus more on what, we, what we're doing without the ball, then everything else will just click into place. And I think he's really trying to hammer that home now and say, chill out, guys. You know, we, we, we've only scored a couple of goals, but we've been clinical with those chances that have come our way. And that's more important. And having the clean sheets is our priority right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's that, uh, I mean, it's two shots on target from Croatia, one from Scotland, two from the Czech Republic here. And yeah, the attacking numbers aren't great. I think England probably have only had six shots on target in these three group games. But when you are limiting your opposition to a shot on target per half, you are going to have a very good chance of getting through games, right? So after Croatia, during the Croatia game, I, did, I was on this podcast and I said, at no point did I think Croatia were going to win that game. I, you know, Scotland had two chances that maybe they snatched that. And again, Czech Republic mostly reduced to some pot shots from out outside the box. England are the submission artists of, uh, of this uh, football tournament right now. I, I keep going back to that press conference Southgate gave in March before they played Poland where he said he'd been watching a lot of France and he'd been watching a lot of Portugal and he described those teams as savvy and experienced. 
and he said he needs England need to learn how to win those big games because you could really tell Southgate was really stung by those defeats in the Nations League against Denmark and against Belgium and he's gone I'm going to apply the handbrake and I'm going to do Deschamps ball Santos ball which it's not thrilling to watch and uh, you know some people say Gareth Southgate doesn't have a pronounced style I think he has a very pronounced style it's What's also quite telling is how quickly England start these games, right? So first 10 minutes in all three of these games, they've hit the crossbar. They've hit the woodwork. Southgate is very clearly going first 15 minutes, go at them, try and get that goal. And then you can do your sort of smothering and then we can take it from there. So uh, yeah, there's there's something in there that is going to get better and better, you hope. Yeah, it's very stable, Carl. It's very compact. I don't, I don't know what it looks like when, when you're watching actually physically at Wembley. Tonight, I suppose, in that first half in particular, we had all those things, but there was also, with the players that ended up on the pitch starting the game, there was ball carriers. It felt like England might carry a bit more of a threat when when the space opens up. I guess if they're compact against a big team, against a France or a Germany, but there'll be more space to play on the break and we will look more dangerous. Yeah, and I'm going to be really mean right now, okay? So, Portugal have Nelson Semedo and he cannot defend in a back four. You saw what Germany did, right? So, weak link sport, Southgate scouting things. is going, you, Grealish, you, Saka, run at that guy. Just keep running at him for 90 minutes. That's good. Germany have this weakness in their 3-4-3 shape where as long as Jogilo doesn't play Kimmich as the defensive midfield, Gundogan is staying really reserved and isn't quite breaking forward to break the line. So, I'll go Calvin Phillips, ruin Gundogan's day. France bit more difficult because they have Kylian Mbappe who's the fastest man of all time so I go Kyle Walker please for the love of God Kyle Walker do whatever you need to do and if you get booked don't worry because we can bring on Reese James but there are methods to get at all of Group F's teams sorry hungry you might still get out of there but um, there are methods to get through all of these teams right and there is such a solidity to this England team that yeah it's I couldn't tell you too much what happened between the 45th minute and the 75th minute. A lot of phone scrolling, a lot of phone scrolling time. That's direct debit time, baby. Um, But that's good, right? If you can do that and not come anywhere near close to conceding, you're doing all right. International football is inherently about chaos. And what you're seeing now is a number of countries go, we are going to try and control the chaos and gamble that at the end of the day, we're going to have more quality players on the field than you are. And I'd say right now, it's maybe only France on when it's all on paper this is a better collection of players Italy as well I should probably say as well Flo do you agree with that uh to an extent I also just think there is so much context and history that you can't ignore I mean we were talking about that before we came on Dan just about Germany being Germany and I think also what scares me about Portugal is the history there, the PTSD, the trauma of being an England fan and, pay- and facing Portugal. Like, you can't forget that. You can't forget that. And as much as I have confidence in this England side, they're smart. They're a smart team and they're probably the smartest England team that's existed in a very long time. And I trust them. You can't forget that they're, they're facing winners and we're not winners in, in that sense. We're not one of those teams that have been there and done that. And I think you're always going to struggle against teams that just know how to win. To that, I would counter... I mean, that's why Jordan Henderson's there. 
that's why Harry Maguire is there. And I think that's the interesting thing about the fact that England have, you know, seven points. Henderson basically got a 45-minute tune-up. Harry Maguire was on the field for 90 minutes, but he wasn't doing the majority of the defending. That was very much John Stones' job. And those two gentlemen are your... Hang on, let me correct myself, because... Harry Maguire hasn't won anything with United. I was going to say, Jordan but Henderson I didn't want to be rude. Your sort of... <laughs> I didn't want to offend you, so yep, I thought yep, I'd let you play yep. it out. <laughs> Jordan Henderson is your sort of calm down, stop being a whatever, this is how you win a game. And yeah, it's going to be tricky. And I remember there was a really good press conference Emma Hayes gave in the before the Champions League final with Chelsea, where she said she told her players that they were going to have to suffer for segments of that final and unfortunately Chelsea suffered a bit too much um, but I think there is such a, a sense of the of the team and the, and the team around that I think you know there are certain people in that England camp that go look whoever you're going to play in that group F you're going to have 35 minutes and you're going to have a bad time and everything we're going to do about you know the rest of the game is to make sure during those 60 minutes afterwards you're going to come out and go we won because that's what you need to do in international football. You need to accept that you're going to have 20, 30 minutes where people are going to scroll their phones, people are going to be wrestling and jeering, and you just have to hold your ball. And England looked good at holding their ball in these group stage matches. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Could you not argue, Flo, the, op- the opposition we're playing, playing against? We should be seeing a little bit more. I would understand those tactics against a France, against a Germany, but I think we all... I'm struggling with it because I'm coming on here and I'm I'm feeling a bit flat, even though we've won and that's not right. But should we not be like wanting to see a little bit more from us? Oh no, totally. And I'm of that mindset. I mean, I went into this game thinking I want a three nil at the least. And also in that in that journey to the semi final last year, we had not last year in 2018, we had that smashing of Panama. <laughs> like we had that gimme game that got everyone really excited. We were like, oh, we'd score loads of goals and. And I feel like you need one of those. You need one of those to boost confidence. And this, I'd sort of earmarked this game as that moment. And a brilliant start, early goal. And I thought, okay, we're moving now. We're flying now. This is going to be a 3-0 yeah. situation. And, you know, they they were smart about it. And I can understand there were opportunities and pockets there where the Czech Republic were, were finding space and catching England out. And I can understand why Southgate was like, well, there's no point in taking risks. We don't want to draw this game. We want to win this game. So to that extent, I, I understand it, but oh, it would have been good to see Harry Kane get on the score sheet as well. Yeah. He was a bit more lively, Kane, wasn't he, Carl? Especially again in that first half when he had lively players around him, Saka and Grealish. Things, things looked good for a period in, in that first half, didn't they? A little bit. Yeah, I'm sort of... 
I describe it as a good six out of ten performance. You can have a bad six out of ten, but this was a okay. You're trying. There was a little moment in the second half where the ball broke into space, and Maguire was Maguire, and Kane was um, you know gone on a halfway line on the shoulder of the last man and was trying to burst forward. And you're having that sort of oh he can't run that way anymore. And you're going go on Kane, give him the burners, run. Kane sort of does two or three, realizes he can't outpace his centre-back and then slows down, looks left and right, trying to see which runners he has, protects the ball, eventually gets the foul. And it's that worrying thing of, okay, so the pace you might have had back in the day isn't there, but you've got the stuff upstairs between your noggin that you're not going to lose the ball, which that'll do for now. I, I don't quite see... Southgate rolling the dice and starting Dominic Calvert-Lewin but also I don't think Kane is a net negative for this England team in possession yet just about I think what you're doing now is you're very much having to work around Kane's weaknesses rather than playing to his strengths which England have done that to less successful times with Wayne Rooney but uh, oh god I've made myself sad here (laughs) and Flo whilst Kane's not finding the back of the net Raheem Sterling is Maybe maybe an outside chance of the golden boot. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's been he's been really really good after a quiet season for City. I wouldn't say disappointing, but a quiet season by his standards. And I think it's pretty amazing that he's pulled this out of the bag. Like he's been the man really, um, just when England needed him. So yeah, a, an outside chance. But I think there's a few other players who have something to say about that. And England's pattern of only scoring one goal a game probably doesn't help too much. It was said a little bit tongue in cheek. Certainly, Golden Bootshell. But it is it is good for him. He has never scored previously in a tournament, and now he scored two in three games. That that is a positive call. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's doing those one touch finishes right. He's adding the punctuation on the sentences just sort of gets the header, gets the scrappy finish, and he's scoring ugly goals, which is what I want to do. England were interesting in that first half because they did a very sort of modern top Champions League level version of of ball progression, right? So when they were trying to attack, what happened was Calvin Phillips would drop deep in between the centre-halves while everyone else got forward. So you had, you know, Phillips, Stones, Maguire. Then you had Declan Rice as your central pivot. And then England basically got forward with six men. Now, that's how Liverpool attack. When Liverpool are trying to build ball up, the ball up, Jordan Henderson's the guy who drops deep and progresses the play. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer tries that with Manchester United and it's Nemanja Matic who drops deep. But it doesn't quite work anymore because Nemanja Matic isn't Nemanja Matic anymore. Um, I know Real Madrid do this when Casemiro drops deep. So there are loads of teams that play Champions League football that want to eventually attack you with a three-one with a three-one-six. And what was interesting was when Henderson came on in the second half instead of Rice, instead of doing Jordan Henderson's job for Liverpool, Phillips kept doing that, and Henderson was doing Henderson box-to-box roles and trying to get forward. That didn't quite come off because I think Henderson probably still wasn't quite fit. And then you had that bit where Jude Bellingham came on later on. And Jude Bellingham was basically doing the job that Mason Mount normally does when he's sometimes playing as an attacking number eight and sometimes playing as a number 10. So Southgate basically in this game shows you how he wants his midfield to work, which means that's how he wants his wide players to work. And it's always about you want one guy who can drop deep and go between your centre-backs. You want one guy to be a shot line. You want one guy to sometimes be an eight and sometimes be a 10. And when you can do all that, 
that causes knock-on effects for people like Sterling, like Rashford, like you, Jack Grealish. And it's that thing of he wants them really, really solid in the middle and basically smothering games. And then you can have the platform for everyone else to go off and be wild and, you know, in Sterling's case, be the guy who just adds the punctuation at the end of the sentence and scores. Yeah, Flo, I liked the front three behind Kane in that first half. What I liked about them was it felt like there was a lot of rotation and movement in there. And on paper, it's probably not the three behind Kane that anyone would pick. But across the three games, it was probably the three that looked the most dangerous. Yeah, I thought it looked really well. And I think the balance was perfect because Shaw really pushed up high, was a great support for that left-hand side. But Walker, actually, we didn't see him in in that advanced final third that often. I think that sort of pendulum worked perfectly for England with a lot going through Shaw. The link-up play with Grealish and Sterling looked really, really solid. And then Walker kind of just dropped back, provided that support, and Saka didn't really need him there. So he could just push on and then play it back if he needed to. And I just thought that looked really comfortable. But like we said, that almost now causes more problems to Southgate because that seemed like the perfect solution is, okay, fine, if we're not going to have two fullbacks absolutely bombing it up for the whole game, well, let's see if we can just exploit one side. Now, as Carl mentioned, if we're going to play someone like Portugal, that's probably the way you're going to do it, is just exploit one side. So something like that is going to work perfectly. But in other games, we're actually going to have to play a way where we have two fullbacks bombing it up. But England... They realised in this match early on, or it was the game plan anyway, that they might be facing nine, ten man behind the ball as soon as they got into the final third. But in order to break that up, they would play a you know, soft ball over the top, a soft cross to create the opportunity. Now, in Scotland, we didn't really see any of that. Like the, the ball would break down the edge of the box and then you just can't pass it around and see what happens. Whereas England didn't take that risk. As soon as they looked like the, the ball might break down, the opportunity would die, they would then put a ball in, which would always cause trouble. Obviously, they scored from it, but there were other opportunities that came their way. Either it would fall to Kane on a rebound or Chapman would fail to clear it or whatever. So I think it was impressive to see the way that they'd learn already from the mistakes in the Scotland game and rectified it. And I think that is progress because if we had seen the same failings of just not crossing the ball and always trying to play on the floor and trying to score a goal and find space where there's none, because Kane is constantly trying to get out of really tight spaces because... He spent his whole career being held by defenders. That's kind of his his best trait is how he runs away, turns, escapes from those though that pressure and those challenges. So he's always going to be under pressure like that. So you've got to work around it because he's not always going to be able to spin away and get those goals. And he had some good chances tonight and they didn't fall for him. But I think it's good to see a bit of of difference, a bit of variety. You're listening to The England Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. 
With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Fans got what they wanted as well, Carl. Jack Grealish starting, getting an assist on his left foot. I feel like it's the kind of assist we've seen him get before for England. A similar one for Dominic Calvert-Lewin in, in, in a previous game. What was he like in the flesh? Oh, it was a joy to watch. I think it was within 90 seconds he got down the left. And not only was he there, but you could see Luke Shaw overlap him. I, I, I made like the Marge Simpson noise. Mm, yeah. <laughs> very good, very pleasing. More of that, please. Um, uh, and watching, he basically was calling isolation runs on the Czech Republic defenders of just everyone stand off. I'm going to run at this guy and ruin his day. Um, I didn't quite come off, but the fact that he will do that again and again and again is great. And the fact that he he's really good in sort of running backwards in a semicircle where he will back into a fullback and go, okay, and now I'm going to pull you out of your position here take you a bit further out on the wing and that can create space for sure if sure wants to do an underlap or if Sterling does you know, make it over to that side as well you can create double teams he's I know he doesn't know an encyclopedia is, but he's very smart at attacking defenders yeah so I saw him struggling to answer that question in an, in an interview the other day I think what, what I liked about it Flo as well was when he does drift to the left which I think is his best position I think he's better off the left than he is as a number 10 it got Sterling closer to Kane and he was almost like operating as a second striker as well. So again, that fluidity of the, the attack, was there was more variety in there than there has been in previous games. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think Grealish didn't have enough time to make an impression in the Scotland game. And I think there was maybe a little bit of chat like, oh, you've had your moment now, you know, that's enough. And it was great to see him kind of take the opportunity by both kind of reins because I think... Um, Roy Keane made the point in the build-up that if he doesn't impress tonight, he probably might not get another shot. He might not get another start because there's been so much chat about him and and there's a lot of pressure on him now because he's like the people's champion in a way. So to take that on and then do what he did and just create, create, create and want to create. And it's the way he defends. He's if he loses the ball or if England loses the ball, he works so hard to win it back. He will chase and hassle whatever player's got the ball to win it back. And I thought he was unlucky as well with the amount of fouls that he conceded. A couple of soft challenges I thought where the referee could have probably played on, um, but pulled up Grealish. So I think he was so impressive, and I think that's that's why he offers so much with the way Southgate wants to play because he defends so well. He just his work rate is unbelievable. We talk about winning, you know, not only giving away fouls but winning fouls. And there's obviously, you know, there's the notion that Jack Grealish you know, is gonna dribble around the penalty area, and that's how he gets fouled a lot. A lot. But he's also just really good at knowing if I put my body here, I'm gonna get into contact and I'll just win a foul for England. So there was a moment in the first half where, you know, he sort of span round trying to track back and he saw the loose ball and he sort of basically, you know, very much war movie, dived in front of the ball, got his leg out there, got in contact with the Czech Republic defender and just fell over. And, you know, referee went, oh, well, yeah, that's a foul. You talk about some strikers that need to break their nose to score a headed goal. Jack Grealish often risks a shin to win a free kick just to break up play and allow England to reset, which is... 
He's so clever. Yeah, it's an, it's an important trade to have. It's interesting, Flo, that you mentioned the, the work, right, actually, because Greg Evans did a piece, my Aston Villa cohort, earlier on in the week, saying that one of the reasons Grealish actually isn't in the England team is to do with, with his lack of pressing. Now, Carl, you're, you're at the game. You, you're watching it from the Wembley vantage point. He does work hard, doesn't he? I, I don't get that criticism. So, pressing is not necessarily running. No. Right? So, uh, there's, more, there's more than one way of pressing, and, and I think the way we often think about pressing is that sort of homing missile bit. So the defender's got the ball, I'm going to run towards you. Whereas there are other versions where you sort of press passing lanes. So Scotland were very good where they just stand next to where you're supposed to pass the ball. And Grealish is good at that as well. And so there's a lot of times where it doesn't look like Grealish is running. It doesn't look like Grealish is air quotes pressing. But there are loads of times where the left centre back is trying to put, pass it to the left back, and Grace is just going to stand close to him and go, "Go on then, I'm quicker than your pass, and I could get to that ball. And if I do, I'm going to do Jack Grealish things, and that can dissuade a centre back from making that pass. So, yeah, he's active. He's active. He's really good in defensive transition as well. So if it's a England corner or an England free kick and it gets cleared away really quickly you can often see someone like Stones going I need a man there I need a man there I need a man there and Grealish will make the run and cover that space which again not necessarily a forward press but just standing in the right position is something Grealish is sneaky good at yeah and Flo we actually saw some subs this evening as well Jadon Sancho finally got on a pitch I mean I just wonder really what he what he's thinking about Saka Stein Saka did very very well obvious man of the match for England this evening I do wonder what Jadon Sancho must be thinking. Yeah, it must be demoralising and a bit like everyone screaming for Grealish to start. I think the last couple of days it's been all about Sancho. I mean, you know, people sharing his stats, which are obviously impressive. Lots of articles written about him and you do look at that and think, well, this doesn't make sense to me, especially after what happened with Mount. So... And the same with Grealish the other night, like seven minutes is not enough time to bait your mark on the game and to fight your way into the starting lineup. So you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I'm sure he must be really disappointed. Now, I mean, tonight would have been the perfect game for him to start because England were already qualified and this was going to be almost like an experimental game in a way because of the situation with, with Matt having to isolate. But... Now, with a knockout game, potentially against one of the best teams in the tournament, things change and I don't think he's going to have a chance of starting again. And I think that's frustrating because he could have had that opportunity like Saka, like Grealish had tonight, to impress and to fight his way into the starting lineup. But in the end, he just kind of had a bit part character role to play where he sort of just like ran around a bit but didn't really get involved. It's not really him, is it, Carl? No, and... It does feel a bit like Owen Hargreaves, I don't know, about 2004, 2006, where Hargreaves is playing very well for Bayern Munich. But everyone's going, who's this strange football player that plays in the Bundesliga that is a little bit Canadian and a little bit Welsh? And then it goes to Manchester United. You go, oh, that's what you are. So, yeah, I imagine Jaden Sancho's probably texting Hargreaves going, do I really have to go to United to get picked? Really? I mean, he's going to have to do something because yeah, it feels like he, he's nowhere near it. It's just he's, he's strange because I'm sure Saka wasn't on the bench for one of the games and he suddenly comes in tonight. I know Sancho hasn't been on the bench as well, but at times, it, I mean, we have got too many options. I think that's the, the overriding situation here. There's just too many options. 
This is The England Show from The Athletic. Keep up to date with all of our Euro 2020 podcasts and writing by following us at The Athletic UK. Before we move on to talking about who we want as our, I mean, want is probably a strong word, who we fancy in our in the round of 16 <laughs> fixtures for England, it's time to dip into the endless box of delights that is the athletic. There's going to be some great stuff coming in the next 24 hours, no doubt. But what have you guys been enjoying since we last spoke? And a quick mention for Carl, who's gone viral today, Fla. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about what pieces are people enjoying, it's got to be the 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 bum piece that um, Carl oh. put together with Yaya Torre. Um, I think a bit like Kim Kardashian, it's broken the internet, to be honest. Um, unbelievable, unbelievable. And I mean, I think it's something that people almost wish they'd seen an article on before, but maybe no one had had the audacity or the creativity like Carl to think, you know what, you know what we need during the Euros? We need the truth and the insight around bums. So I just appreciate Carl for doing that. <laughs> yeah, Carl, before I bring you in, first off, can I, can I have your autograph? <laughs> Second, how does it feel to, how, how does it feel <laughs> to be famous? Uh, I mean, it's all yaya, really. All I had to do was just move some commas and uh, get it all down did there. He, did he come to, did he he come to you and say, Carl, I want to talk about bums, or did you go to him and say, yaya, I think we should talk about bums. I think we should do a piece on bums today. I, I think it, it just came. It just came okay. together. A mutual, a mutual love for bums. Yeah, yeah. He watches an astonishing amount of football. Does so it? not only is he, so he's in the Ivory Coast at the moment, and not only is he watching the Euros, he's also watching Copper America as well. Um, and it's that great thing of because Yaya Toure was at Manchester City for so long, you forget. Oh wait, yeah, you also did play at Barcelona. Oh yeah, you also did play in Marseille. And he, when he talks about all these players, he goes, "Yeah, well, you know, when I played this guy, when I played this guy, when I played this guy, I'm like, oh, you're." You're very storied and very decorated. Uh, so, yeah, it was a joy to converse with. And I'd say I maybe had less than 5% input on what that piece eventually came out to. So, thank you, Yaya. Very, very gracious of you, Carl. There is, there is some other stuff on The Athletic this morning as well. We're recording on Tuesday night straight after the games. So I haven't actually read the pieces yet, but there's going to be a Matt Slater piece on the complications around hopefully getting 65,000 fans into Wembley. Got Carl's piece on the Czech game, same with Dom Foyfield, so watch out for them. And if you're, if you're feeling sad, Kieran Devlin will have had a, a piece as well on Scotland's brave effort in defeat, so watch out for that. And don't forget at the moment, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month and read unrivaled Euro 2020 content from our team of writers. All you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash Pod to sign up right now. We've been talking about bums, and to be honest... Last 16, there's a, there's a few bum draws in there, Flo. Who, who on earth do you want to play? Well, I think my head says Portugal and my heart says Germany. Because I think, I think Portugal is the smart option in terms of, like, realistically, who do I think you have the best chance of beating Portugal? Yeah. But because of what I said earlier, just too many dark memories. I think my heart is like. <laughs> now, Flo, you say this. You say this. I'm gonna do that thing where I give some stats, and you realise how young everyone is. Portugal knocked out England in 2004. Portugal knocked out England in 2006. Jude Bellingham might remember World Cup 2006. Right, he might remember it. He might, just about. That it, it was a while it's ago. It's not about their so trauma; it was... it's about my trauma, Carl. It doesn't matter about that. 
when you talk about old old wounds, I think there's there's going to be some players in that squad like old wounds. Remember when England got knocked out against in, in two thousand four, and there will be two or three players go, no, not really. I don't remember that. What happened there? Oh, okay, penalties. That's fine. Yeah, this is making me think France might be the best one because I've got I haven't got any memories of being knocked out by them. <laughs> I think on paper, I think on paper, on paper, Portugal are what you want. Right now, looking at those teams, on paper, Portugal is what you want. I agree. I agree, Carl. Yeah, Nelson Semedo is. Very is Cancelo back though? Would Cancelo be back? It. I haven't got a clue. No, because Cancelo will probably miss the entire tournament because of COVID protocol. Oh, okay. that's, so that's good. Which is that thing of, whoops. Um, so yeah, I think I mean it's that strange thing you were saying Portugal, but you forget they've got Cristiano Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva, but Bruno Fernandes and Renato. <laughs> I mean, I didn't forget about that, um, but I just <laughs> I don't know. It's difficult. It's difficult. Ger- Germany, the ones I don't know. Germany, whatever happens, you just know they'll beat England. That, that's how I feel. It doesn't matter what's going on. Germany will just turn up and beat England. I'm just telling you how I feel. It's... I can only come on here and tell you how I feel. I'm with Flo. I think I think Portugal's the best bet. I think I'd, I'd very much like to avoid because the thing if. If Portugal do finish runners up of Group F, they probably have to beat France to do it. Which means one of their players went supernova for ninety minutes, and you're going, okay, does that mean you're going to be in good form, or does that mean you got that was your press the button and go supernova? You got that out the way early, so I'm worried. And you know, Bruno Fernandes is one of those players where even if he has a bad game, because he passes forward all the time one of those passes will come off. When I'm saying passes forward all the time, please understand my hand is making a very quick chopping motion. I can motion. say, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd want to avoid France because at the end of the day, they have Kylian Mbappe and Kylian Mbappe running at anyone makes me quite scared. Yeah. The bad news is, Flo, is that I actually think it will be France. Yeah, it seems like it could be. Um, and that's quite a stressful prospect. <laughs> But but a Wembley, Carl. We've got the Wembley route. Is that a positive? I, I well, I'm going to jump in and say I don't necessarily think so. I think I'm trying to end it on a high. No, I think it could be. It could be. But unfortunately, <laughs> Wembley has never been new. Wembley has never been known as this like fortress or this amazing atmosphere. It's always been a fairly quiet place, and it then doesn't help when you've got twenty thousand people, which actually is a lot of people, but then spread out across the stadium is pretty dead apart from those sparks those moments where things light up a little bit when Grealish came on the ball when Sterling came on the ball when Saka came on the ball the opportunities there were pockets but apart from that it's pretty dead so if they get more in there um, which they're expected to aren't they it's it's supposed to double 40-45 I think yeah I just hope it lifts them because if there's any, if they're gonna have any chance of beating a team like France, it has got to be loud. It's got to be Jennifer Lopez. Let's get loud in there. <laughs> Otherwise, there is no <laughs> chance that they're gonna beat that team. It's not that bad. Look, uh, the way I see it is, I, I'm not as much of a numbers person as Tom Warville. So when you ask me about the Wembley stuff, I go, I don't know. Small sample size. We have to wait until the end of the tournament, and then I run the numbers. But when I sort of talk a bit more like my dad who always says the Germans are going to win I will say well England hit the post three times in a row that means the next time it's going to go in in the first 10 minutes so you never know Wembley hasn't been a great place for memories for the England team yet which means they're overdue which means it's happening in the next game let's make some memories baby let's make some memories yeah that's that's my team talk (laughs) 
That's my team talk. Right then, lads. A lovely way to end it. Let's make some memories. I mean, there'll be plenty more podcasts coming up before Tuesday, but obviously now the build-up and the attention will turn to England's last 16 tie, and we'll find out who we're playing in the next 24 hours as well, which will be exciting, despite the fact we seem quite scared of all three or four teams that we could actually end up playing. Oh, Not four teams, three teams. The only, one who sc- the only one who scares me is France, and that's because of Mbappe. But even then, French implodes them. They're yeah, exactly. Yeah. Benzema. Benzema and Giroud. They've barely, yeah, they've, they've, yeah. they've barely kicked off and imploded yet. So, yeah, there, there is the chance of that as well. All that's left to do is thank you two for joining me post-match and having a chat. Really good to get Team Q&A back together. So I think that'll do us for tonight. Thanks to Carl and Flo for staying up past their bedtime to join me. And thanks to all of you guys at home as well for listening. Don't forget to rate and review us on your podcast provider. 25 years ago today, England beat Spain at Euro 96. After years of misery, I think we might now be able to say we've graduated to mixed emotions about penalties, and the next episode of The England Show will explore that very subject. That's going to be available on Friday morning, so if you haven't done so already, why not subscribe right now? And as we've just agonised over, it'll be France, Portugal, Germany, or maybe even Hungary next. Whoever it is, you'll get the very best coverage right here on The England Show. Goodbye for now. Athletic.